I know that airway trumps everything else in dentistry. So I'm going to tell you that if we're stuck with a case, a lot of functional medicine people say start with the gut. I really believe that the gut runs the show. The gut runs the brain. The gut runs everything. My emotions, my immune system, everything. But I say, along with that, start with airway. If you start with breathing, it's going to clear up so many more issues that you have. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kybert, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Hey there, Dr. Emily Kybert here with Muscle Medicine Podcast, episode 29. This week, we sit down with Dr. Michael Gelb, a world-renowned TMJ and sleep specialist with practices in both New York City and White Plains. Dr. Gelb is the co-inventor of the airway-centric medical device, as well as NORAD, which stands for Nocturnal Oral Airway Dilator Appliance that reduces snoring by positioning the patient's tongue and jaw so that the airway stays open. This man is near and dear to my heart as his whole practice for the last 35 years is focused on the airway. If our airway is narrowed, then we won't sleep well, which leads to chronic fatigue, chronic headaches, neck pain, difficulty concentrating, which leads to even bigger issues like GI problems, acid reflux, and IBS. So most people think of snoring and breathing problems as a potential weight issue, but it's really an airway issue, especially in the younger patients with ADHD. So time after time, we see that once the airway is opened during the day and then the airway is maintained open during sleep, the transformation is quick and dramatic. Muscle pains start to go away, headaches, jaw pains start to get relieved. It's amazing. So in this episode with Dr. Michael Gelb, we talk about the facial and jaw structures. You can literally see it on someone's face related to a narrow airway how a narrow airway affects the body. We talked a little bit about this and how this can be corrected and how problems often start when we're babies, especially the preemies who 80 to 100% of them, according to Dr. Gelb, are mouth breathers. And this affects their prefrontal cortex, which is the area of the brain that controls functional skills, attentiveness, anxiety, and depression. So we talk about breathing all the time in the clinic, in rehab, and core strength, stability, having a strong, healthy spine. But Dr. Gelb takes it to a whole new level, starting in the jaw, in the facial structure, and the airway through the throat. So if you love this episode, I loved it. Go to Muscle Medicine on iTunes, rate and review. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. Dr. Michael Gelb, I'm so excited to have you on Muscle Medicine Podcast. We talk about breathing all day long, every day, all day, every single patient. And you have this medical device and you've created the system that focuses on breathing in the airway. We focus from the core and the abdominals. 
you start from a different place. Right. Can you sure. tell us and share? Yeah, my practice has evolved from more of the TMJ, headache, neck pain. And we look at breathing now as just as a result and kind of as just as a byproduct of looking at the jaws for years. We realized there was a tongue, palate, and we realized the spine is really the back of the airway and the tongue, the soft palate's kind of the front of the airway. And so we realized we had a huge impact and every time a dentist, you know, works on a tooth, he impacts the airway. And Anytime. Every time you go to the dentist. So every dentist is an airway dentist. So I've coined the term with my, my buddy, Howie Hinden, airway-centric dentistry. Love it. So dentistry is airway-centric. And for years, we were concentrating on the joint. A lot of dentists just worked on teeth, but they're kind of missing the boat. Yeah. So the highest calling really for a dentist is to be able to open up someone's airway. So you breathe in through your nose and we're supposed to be nasal breathers, not mouth breathers, but a lot of preemies are born as mouth breathers. So mouth breathing is the beginning of the problem. And we also see mouth breathing in people with like sleep apnea and snoring, right? All the time. Yeah. So we're dealing with this collapsible airway and I realized that, you know, I'm right in it. I didn't realize, I didn't want to be in it at first, but then I realized how profound it was. And so the kind of work that my dad was doing with kind of bringing the jaw down and forward, which helped the neck, which helped the jaws, which helped headaches, which helped TMJ, serendipitously, when he was bringing the jaw down and forward, we now later on found out that he was opening the airway. Amazing. So, so people are coming to you, headaches, brain fog, TMJ, uh, ear tinnitus, tinnitus, a ringing in the ear, ring in the ears. And you know, the, a lot of the functional medicine stuff. So the the fatigue, I'm never refreshed on awakening, yeah. brain fog, reflux, a variety of issues, which might be looked at differently by other practitioners. We're looking at anxiety, panic attacks, depression. Right. So every day I'm seeing these complaints. So my TMJ patients are coming in and on the medical history, I'm seeing snoring, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, poor memory. So what happened was my failures came back that I've been treating for 20 years. And they go, doc, I'm still clenching. I'm exhausted in the morning. These thin women, would, I'm still clenching at night. I still have headaches and I'm exhausted. And I realized that what I was seeing was really this thing called airway resistance. Sometimes it was apnea, sometimes it was snoring. But basically it was either that the brain wasn't getting down into deep sleep or someone was having hypoxias. They were desaturating. Their oxygen was going up and down and their oxygen kept, you know, going down during the night as they stopped breathing. Wow. So then we, we were able to order sleep testing from our office. They do it at home? They do it at home. Amazing. They, they go to their own bed. We get it read by a board certified MD, sleep specialist who's bored in sleep. He gives us the interpretation of the diagnosis. He gives us a recommendation for treatment, although I've been doing it for a long time, so I've got a pretty good idea. I, I like to quarterback some of these cases. Yeah. You know, I'll work it with an MD. Of course. But you know, they're coming in to me, and I'm trying to give them the answer. So we're basically what... I, I started a foundation for airway health because we needed to educate the public. Because it was, I've been doing this for 28 years and we've moved only five percentage points. So let's say it was 90% undiagnosed. Now it's 85% undiagnosed. Right. We haven't done a very good job of getting this out to the public, which is so great to talk to you because it relates to 
your practice, yeah. right? Urban wellness. wellness. Yep. It relates to your practice, what you do, the same way it relates to my practice. We're probably seeing the same patients. We're all seeing the same patients. We are, yeah. And everyone is tired, yeah. right, in New York. So people come to you with these symptoms, and what are you finding structurally? A lot of times they have these narrow palates. You know, they were thumb suckers as a kid, pacifiers, they've been on a blanket, or their tongue never got up. They were tongue tied or their tongue never got up to the palate where it's supposed to be. So they never had proper restoral posture. So I see these neck issues, these postural issues, which have been there for 25, 30 years. What you see as a kid is usually what you get as an adult. So if you don't make an intervention, you, we need to intervene at certain age. It's never too late to intervene. So I see these changes in the structure of the face, the structure of the neck, which predispose or were caused by airway problems initially. So I look at airway as being a primary, not only is it the foundational pillar of health, in my opinion, but it's the etiology of a lot of the malocclusion that we see, the postural changes that we see are results of this dysfunction, this breathing improperly since childhood. And it's so important because if you think about it, the thing that we do the most in our lives are breathe. 20 to 25,000 times a day, more than anything else that we physically do, right? It's so primary. And we feel good when we exercise very often. We feel great. We feel great when we meditate. We feel great when we do yoga. So anytime that we really breathe, we feel really good. Yeah. But we kind of breathe improperly or we don't breathe for six hours at night, sometimes during the day. So I've, I've kind of come upon this airway day and airway night. So I've developed this day and night system for breathing. Because it's different. During the day, we're, we're awake and our genioglossus, our muscles are firing and our tongue is staying forward. Because we're upright. Because we're upright right. and because the genioglossus is it's turned on. And so these protective mechanisms are in place. As we kind of drift off and go to sleep at night, the jaw drops back. And as we go into menopause or we go into different stages of our life, those muscles may not fire on Mm. in everybody. And so we may obstruct. So men tend to obstruct more. Women, they tend to have interference in their sleep. Mm. So that women get more disturbed sleep, more fatigue, and the airway resistance, men get more frank sleep apnea earlier in life. And then after menopause, it it evens off a little bit. So there's a literal slight or maybe slight narrowing in the airway. Yes. Like you can literally see less space. Well, let's put it this way. If you look at homo sapiens across, now it's worse in non-Caucasian countries, okay? It's worse in non-Caucasians, but homo sapien compared to Neanderthal, we have small airways. So all the patients that we're treating today compared to 200, 300, before the pre-industrial revolution, but then going back, you know, 100,000 years, there was much less airway problems. So when you introduce then pesticides, you know, there was less breastfeeding, less tonsils, more pollution, more preservatives in food. The faces have gotten narrower. The jaws have gotten narrower. The noses have gotten narrower. The airways have got become narrower with epigenetic factors. So that's just how we've progressed. My buddy, Kevin Boyd, and there's lots of researchers that have looked at this, but our faces look very different today than they looked even two to 300 years ago. So we're literally like smaller in the face and the palate, but we still have the same number of teeth to fill less of a space. There's no space. So that's why the wisdom teeth have to come out. So we're kind of the bulldog. We're that English bulldog who was bred to be 
with a thick neck who dies at like three or four years old, <laughs> they all die of heart <laughs> right. disease, yes. cancer. Yes. So that's what we're against that kind of breed because we're becoming, we're becoming the bulldog. Wow. Like kind of brachycephalic, bra- face smashed in, you know, and that's why it's hard for most people to breathe through their nose. Then you introduce allergies into it. Yeah. Like, you know, not just peanut allergies, but allergies to everything. So you get the immune system in. And so it creates this perfect storm depending on what age you are, that you can't breathe through your nose. You can't breathe because of your, your small mouth and your big tongue. And you know, and you that's wonder why, why you can't uh, focus all day. And why you're tired all the time. Yeah. So the appliance that is in your mouth, can you kind of give our listeners like a visual? Sure. And like what it does. So just conservatively, let's say. So the day appliance, you know, brings the jaw down and forward opens the airway, decompresses the joints, relaxes the muscles, serves as a kind of a biofeedback device reminding you to keep lips together, teeth apart, tongue up to the airway, like kind of proper rest oral posture. Yeah. Like Pilates yoga. Then the night appliance, it's an upper and a lower, and there are these different mechanisms and different appliances, but it doesn't allow the lower jaw to slide back at night. Kind of keeps the airway open during sleep, it kind of protects against clenching, but at the same time opens the airway. It, whether you're sleeping on your right, your left, or your back, or your stomach, it keeps the airway open. And you see physical transformations in people's faces, like the structure, just by changing their bite and their their airway. Is that? I mean, I've seen a couple transformations that you've shown me, yes. and mind blowing. Dramatic transformations, you know, juvabite.org. So, you know, we have a lot of them on our Juvabite website, but what you see is basically the eyes open up. When you get rid of inflammation in the body, when you give the body oxygen and deep sleep, it heals itself. Now add in some good food and a little bit of exercise and you really see dramatic, the skin tone changes, the eyes become clearer, they open up. We restore the lower third of the face with our day appliance and you see radical facial transformations. People look healthier. They look, they look well when the inflammation is reduced. The photos you were showing me, like the folds on the sides of the nose are like kind of some people have like the look like they're always frowning. That has also transformed, right? Absolutely. That's crazy. Well, because you're kind of filling in, again, the jaw has been pushed too far back the lower third of the face is overclosed. And so you see a lot of these lines in the face that really are not supposed to be there. They all go away. Wow. So for the people that, for example, struggle with sleep apnea, and then, you know, they do the sleep study, you know, we have one client that's waking up, I think it was 10 seconds every minute, 60 times a night. Yeah. And so the next step was the CPAP machine, but it's kind of, it feels like a Band-Aid right? Like it's kind of not going to the, the source It's not really bit. going to root cause. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with CPAP, but in the United States, CPAP tends to be a little overprescribed. So we think for the more mild disease and oral devices may be more indicated. So if you look at mean disease alleviation, like what's going to work best to alleviate disease if you use it. So it's efficacy times compliance. You got to put some hours in. So if something is a hundred percent efficacious, but you don't use it, it doesn't really help if it's on the shelf. So if we, if we can design something that's comfortable for the patient that they can wear, that they wake up feeling refreshed, there's more of a tendency that's going to help them. So these devices, we try to make them comfortable. 
we adjust it, we trim it with our custom made to the patient's mouth. And that's how we get this, you know, this efficacy. Nice. So for those of us that were headgear children, yes. I would be one of them. Okay. <laughs> I think I was an I upper tell. an upper headgear kid yes. for probably way too long. You know, way back in the day, people didn't get braces. And now you almost hear like almost every single teenager gets braces, has headgear, or they're an adult and they're working with Invisalign. Like, how does that affect the airway? The people that got headgear, so now we do reverse headgear. Reverse headgear. Orthodontics in this country has been, unfortunately, a lot of it's been retractive. It's been pulling things back. Like, okay, you have buck teeth. What we realize now is that 85% of the upper jaws are already too far back. So we want to actually pull things forward. We want to make people more paleo looking. We want to make them a little bit more Neanderthal. I hate to say it, but we want to give people chins. We want to give people big cheekbones. We want to give people their snout back. We've lost our snout. We've become like the bulldog, like our face is smushed in. Our sinuses don't work. Our noses don't work. We want to open things up. We want to make things larger. So we want to stretch. We don't want to retract. We want to do the opposite. We want to open things up. Yeah. So all of our braces today, the the orthodontists that we work with are airway-friendly orthodontics, airway-centric, airway-focused. So they're not trying to jam the teeth back. The opposite. They're trying to make enough room for the tongue. So we really very strongly believe that you can prevent sleep apnea. You can prevent your child from becoming a snorer if you start early and go to an airway-centric, airway-aware orthodontist, which they're more of today, not a lot of, you can really do a lot of good. So it's just the opposite of what you and I has as kids. My dad you know, did a decent job with me, but I was a mouth breather. And your orthodontist, we would have done reverse pull headgear. We would have opened everything up and brought the upper jaw forward and brought the lower jaw forward with it. Just the opposite. Totally different. Totally opposite. Yeah. So for people that have children, because I know you had mentioned like early intervention, for example, like baby comes out of the womb and they're already a mouth breather, which like is mind blowing. What kind of stuff do you recommend? So like my kid is an occasional mouth breather, an occasional snorer, but usually when he has like a sinus cold thing going on, but like what kind of stuff do you recommend for... Because I was obviously don't want my kid to have fatigue, tiredness, probably leads to like hyperactivity issues yeah. down the road. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So what we like is a habit trainer to begin with. A habit trainer. Healthy okay. Start, MyoBrace. Which are brands of... Vivos. These are certain brands and companies where they do early intervention. They come in a couple of different sizes. So two to three-year-olds, four to five-year-olds, six to seven-year-olds. And you could go in at any age. And if your child's having trouble, if they're a mouth breather, it trains them to be a nose breather. It trains the child to put their lips together, their tongue up to the spot, breathe through their nose, trains them and helps them not to clench. It's really opening their airway and it's training their jaws to grow more horizontally. It's training their jaws to grow in the proper posture and to assume a good posture at night while they sleep. Nice. So you had mentioned a couple of times that the tongue should be against the palate. Yes. And I would say if I thought about like asking every single person that came through the clinic, if, the, if they were regularly doing this, they would kind of give me like a quizzical look. So we, as kids, we do this, right? We put the tongue in the palate. Typically. Well, like me, I grew up with my tongue down below. I was a mouth breather. So I grew up with my tongue down 
my lips open, breathing through my mouth. Cause then I grew in a lot with a long face because I couldn't breathe through my nose. Right. So the goal is to become a nasal breather, train the lips, train the muscles, train the throat muscles, get those developed to open the airway and change the way that we, the kid grows. So stimulate, you get more nitric oxide, more oxygen saturation if you breathe through your nose and vasodilation. So it's like a trained, as a child, you can rewrite the pathways. Neuroplasticity is a lot easier in a kid than an adult. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> right, so you train it in the kid. <laughs> right. Like Native American mothers keep putting their kids' lips together all day. You know, it's like shut your mouth is the name of a famous book. So close your mouth, but kids have to be trained to do that because they're not, they just don't get it intuitively. What do you think are the effects of sitting behind a computer all day, hanging our head to look at our phone, to text on the airway? They cause postural issues just from being, and then the blue light, you know, if you get too much of the light, it's too stimulating. It inhibits melatonin. You have sleep issues. We're up texting at night. There's a lot more to keep us uh, entertained, let's say, at night. So we don't sleep sometimes because we're on devices. And then our postural, you know, we get the thumbs, but we get the heads, we get the neck posture from looking at these devices. So that's like a whole, it's tied in, but it's a, it's a whole separate issue. It's It's not necessarily good for the airway because of the kind of the forward head posture. The, like chin jutting. Yeah. yeah. So you have some really cool tools in your office to measure airway because it's so cool to see from the inside. What are some of those tools that you use? Yeah. So I was, I didn't get a chance to say, but the, one of the reasons why I could stand on my dad's shoulders is because we had this fantastic comb beam. We have the CBCT comb beam CAT scan and it's a very low radiation machine, but we can actually see the airway we can measure the airway. We can see exactly where your airway is crimping off. We can try to open that part of the airway. So the very fact that when I show you your airway, you're blown away that you have such a small airway. And then you want to say, well, how do I fix it? When can I, how can I open that up? And then we look at your nasal airway. We look at your tongue. We look at your palate. It helps us to devise a treatment plan. So that's the coolest thing I think is looking at that. The other thing where we look at the airways, we look at the sleep tests. And we see how many times you stop breathing, how many seconds. We measure your deep sleep. We measure your REM sleep. So we can really, we can tell so much more than we could, let's say, 10 years ago. Yeah. What's the craziest number you've seen on someone of like waking up or? Well, the craziest number I've seen is like an airway of like 10 millimeters squared. Like no, almost no air. Like I don't even know how they're alive. What's like a normal Oh, they say above 117, but I'm going to tell you, it's like 250 millimeters squared. They were like 10, 15, like you can't believe that they're existing. Wow. And so it's profound just by opening up that hole. It's dramatic. I mean, the, the flow is to the fourth power. So if you open it up by two, it's like 16. The fleet. So you, you get a dramatic effect by opening up even a millimeter, even two. So in the mouth, microns count. So a millimeter is a lot. Two millimeters is a ton. Four millimeters like here to California. And that's what we're getting, like three, four millimeters. I mean, we're really getting profound changes. Do these people come like skipping into your office with so much energy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. After, yeah, they're, they're new people. Yeah. And that's why I have to take the pictures because I wouldn't believe it. But the, the most profound, like 80 times an hour, crazy numbers. How about like desaturating one lady... Lisa, 325 times she desaturated between 4% and 9% and 103 times between 10% and 20%. And we got it down to like 12 and zero. 
Wow. When these people come in, are they like dragging? Like how do they function? They know something's wrong. Yeah. They're really tired. They always have head pain. They always have neck pain and they just don't feel like themselves. And they're getting depressed and they're being strangled. They're being suffocated. So they're anxious. They don't know why they're anxious, but if you were being choked and you didn't know when you were going to get choked, but someone was going to come in your room and either put their fingers over your nose and, and hold, pinch your nose, or they're going to put their hands around your neck and choke you, you'd be anxious. Oh yeah. So we really make life a lot safer for them. Like we make going to sleep uh, like a good experience, a safe experience. And it's profound in terms of getting rid of trauma. It's like, I couldn't think of a, I mean, it's a pretty deep form of trauma. So fear. So that's when you can't breathe. It stimulates the amygdala. The limbic system gets involved, especially with this nasal breathing. So we're even discovering now how profound the effects are on the brain. And I think it's really primary effects on the brain that we're seeing. Of course, the heart benefits and diabetes gets better and all this stuff. But it's, I think the brain, and that's where I'm so excited with the kids with ADD, with the prefrontal cortex. Yes. I'm really excited with adults with preventing dementia and preventing Alzheimer's. So the brain is, I think we're directly impacting the brain. Yeah. So who are some tricky people? So for example, for us, we see people sometimes with head trauma and we do a lot of movement patterns and rehab and it's really hard to retrain it. Just like, I don't know if there's, sometimes it feels like there's a block and especially on breathing patterns. Yes. What, who, who's like a tricky well, population? Well, concussions are certainly really tricky. And I think another area that's really difficult are these cases of, some people call them POTS, you know, these parasympathetically driven people that some people call it mast cell activation. So yes. the people that get the central sensitization, they can be tricky. And that's what we're seeing in this upper area resistance patients, flow limitation, where it affects the limbic system. Those can be difficult patients, the ones that are fatigued all the time. Yeah. Not always easy. Yeah. For the average person that comes in, because when you were showing me pictures of transformation and then you told me, I was like, oh, well, how long did that take? Because sometimes when I think changing facial structure, I think a long time, but- Yeah, I told you. You were like- Three to four months. Yeah, that's, it's wild. Yeah, I showed you one case that took me nine months. Yeah. But three to four months, like it can happen. It does happen. Like typically if you're going to get the effect, you get the effect. Right. You know, there are a lot of cases where we have to work together and there are cases, you know, we're, we're still getting better. I mean, we're going to be talking about this in 10 years and hopefully we'll be a lot more advanced than we are now, but we're giving people, we're allowing them to breathe. So either you're moving, you're opening the airway or you're closing the airway with our treatment. So that's pretty profound. So right now we know that night guards, for example, 50% close the airway. Really? That are worn every night. So the ones that like prevent you from... You know, the flat ones that prevent you from grinding that you yeah. get from your dentist? Yeah. We have to rethink that now because they, ha they can't just be flat. They have to sometimes come bring the jaw a little bit forward and maintain an open airway. So this flat thing doesn't really work anymore yeah. because it allows the jaw to slide back with gravity. It allows the jaw to fall back. Yeah. Kind of what your headgear was doing. So we don't like that anymore. That's not good. Right. So it's kind of like I say, it's a, it's a Harvey Weinstein moment. It's no longer acceptable to close the airway. So we have to ask our doctors and demand that we have open airways. So how do you, how many dentists, orthodontists do you think actually kind of have a knowledge of this airway centric? I would put it around the 5,000 
hopefully category. It's not big. In There's the entire not a lot. United in, States. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now maybe it's closer to ten thousand, and I think maybe growing to twenty thousand. Okay. But that's out of like one hundred seventy-five thousand dentists. So, so we, small. we we have a way to go. Yeah. The dental societies, the big institutions, Koi Spear, Panky Dawson, the nathology groups, the everyone, the dentists are coming around. The orthodontist still haven't decided where they stand on this. Right. Uh, it's unfortunate, but most of the big dental societies are coming around and they're really embracing this. So it's fantastic. So I'm really very optimistic with what's happening in dentistry today. Yeah. We want to get more pediatric dentists involved and obviously we want to get more orthodontics involved. So, you know, the consumer has to beware before you send your kid to an orthodontist that they're aware of opening the airway. Yeah. Do they teach us in dentistry school? No. No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. We're trying. There's a lot of good continuing education programs in dental schools. Yeah. So that's good. So University of the Pacific Tufts. We just did one at NYU. It's coming. It's starting. University of North Carolina. They're starting to put an airway program. So great. Going back to the idea of like early intervention. Why do you think you came out as a mouth breather? Like what do you think, think there was? I had a... a narrowed nose. Okay. Well, I was a forceps delivery. So okay. let's just start with my delivery. I was the firstborn. I was a big kid. I should have been adjusted by a chiropractor and osteopath when I was born. My right leg was towed in. So I had a difficult delivery that should have been corrected. And I didn't have anyone adjusting me at an early age. So for all I know, and I don't think I have allergies, but just a narrowed nose, I wasn't a preemie. So preemies sometimes have. Almost 80 to 100% of preemies are mouth breathers. Wow. It's just because they haven't developed and a lot of them don't have the suck, swallow and breathe reflexes yet. So I think it's something that you just have to be aware of. And a freedom attachments at birth should be like in Brazil, it's a law. It should be a law in the U.S. that we have to check for freedoms. The freedoms should be snipped within the first day of life. And this is the... Uh, the lingual. Yeah, like some kids are tongue-tied, yeah. So they can breastfeed, but it's not standard practice. It's becoming more standard practice, but it should be standard practice. So I think it wasn't picked up. It's the first kid. The parents don't know anything. You know, it's all experimental. <laughs> They're like, the we're just trying kid. not to kill you. <laughs> right. I mean, it's an experiment, you know, right. like you don't really know. You have sometimes your mother's around, you know, grandmothers, mothers are around, aunts, and it gets easier with the second kid. But that's why we're trying to educate parents today that you got to look for this stuff early on, especially noisy breathing is not normal. Noisy breathing is not normal. So, so like noisy, even not just snoring, but like heavy like heavy like you could hear the kid breathing because they have mucus or their their nose is clogged or their throat is clogged that's not a good sign tossing a lot tossing and turning is not normal colicky even colicky kids there that might be a reason for colicky babies bedwetting you like i had my tonsils and adenoids taken out i stopped bedwetting the next day wow night terrors all a lot of these things are related to the airway into large tonsils and adenoids. Can you speak to how tonsils and adenoids are affected by mouth breathing? It's bi-directional. So if you mouth breathe, you're gonna have larger tonsils. Okay. You're gonna have more allergens coming in. But you know, large tonsils also obstruct the airway. So it's so, like this cycle well, that feeds itself. Yeah, and a lot of, you know, listen, holistic, integrated people say, don't touch the tonsils, but if you don't shrink them, and a lot of my people are saying, okay, do myofunctional therapy, shut the mouth, tape the mouth. 
we sometimes recommend at least shaving back the tonsils because it's like having a boulder. So I see kids that are 14, 15, 16, they still have huge tonsils. I'm gonna tell the kid that you're gonna have a better life if you have a bigger airway. So sometimes they just need to be shaved back a little bit. And the kid just does my, and it's life and death. I mean, for two-year-olds, three-year-olds, they're getting sick. It's not just, in fact, it's really obstruction now. Yeah. It's not just the infection. So again, it's the 80-20 rule. There'll be about 20% of ENTs that will really get it. They studied sleep and they're gonna say, your kid will develop better. Their brain will develop better if they have smaller tonsils and adenoids. Yeah. For the parents that are on the fence, like what would you tell them? Cause well, like if they have large tonsils and adenoids that could lead to not being able to focus, which could lead to hyperactivity. It's almost like this kind of snowball effect, which potentially could get prevented. It can be prevented. So, you know, you got to manage the parents. It's not the kid. It's the parents we have to manage, not the <laughs> right, children. Always. So, and it's usually, I'm sorry, the mother. So, <laughs> You know, it's like, okay, your kid has, your kid has ADD, the kid's bedwetting every night, he's running around, he's inattentive, he's got some behavioral issues. ENT, mother says, there's no way you're taking my kid's tonsils out. You're not doing it. Okay. Just use this nasal spray. 30 days in a row, no bedwetting, kids acting like an angel. Come back to the ENT. How do you do? You did great. You ready to get the tonsils out? No, you're not doing it. You're still not doing it. Okay, just stop using the nasal spray. And the kid pees in bed between the parents and she says, when can I schedule the surgery? <laughs> so these are true stories, but you've got to manage the parents' expectations. And if you want it, there's a couple of ENTs that we work with that do it with homeopathy. They do it naturally. So there are people around that can do that. But it's such an easy thing to do. You just, and you're only going to find maybe 10% of the ENTs are going to really get it. Maybe I say 20% because they've studied sleep. Maybe some of the younger ones, we have quite a few in New York, pediatric ENTs that get it because they teach it, they've studied it and they yeah. see how profound What is like are. one tip that you would give our listeners from just like, I mean, you've been in practice so long. You collaborate with so yeah. many practitioners from yes. like the functional medicine, the naturopath, chiropractic, cranial, sacral. Ton of people. Yeah. And you'd like just such a wealth of knowledge. If there was like any one tip. Well, I'd say I know that airway trumps everything else in dentistry. So I'm going to tell you that if we're stuck with a case, a lot of functional medicine people say start with the gut. I really believe that the gut runs the show. The gut runs the brain. The gut runs everything. My emotions, my immune system, everything. But I say along with that, start with airway. If you start with breathing, it's going to clear up so many more issues that you have, your neck, your posture. But if you don't do the breathing, then a lot of other stuff is going to stay chronic. So let's assume, and we believe very strongly, and, and, and really all the leaders that I'm working with in dentistry are believing that airway trumps everything else in dentistry. That's a huge statement. Yeah. And we get, we're getting buy-in on it. Yeah. So it's very exciting. You even talk about you had a blog post, I think it was, where it's like the gut and sleep issues and airway. I mean, do you find that people when they're coming in, they have a, a narrowed airway are having like digestion and a lot gut of dysbiosis? People, yeah. The people that are not getting better. So, you know, leaky gut, well, we have the same thing in the mouth. So we've got some bad bacteria in the mouth and that leads to bad bacteria in the gut. And, you know, that can be 
bidirectional GERD and reflux and a lot of things are related that we didn't think were related. So I, I'm looking at the gut and I have to work with people that are gut people because that's going to help lower the inflammation in the body. Yeah. You know, and that's with my fatigue cases or even these hypersensitive central sensitization cases, we got to get the gut working. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a very big believer in that and working together. So there, if we get a better gut, our sleep's going to be better. Makes sense. Yeah, totally. Where can people find you? I'm right here in New York City, the Gelb Center on Madison Avenue. I'm also up in White Plains. We have Foundation for Airway Health and we have the AAPMD, the American Academy of Physiological Medicine and Dentistry. And if you want to read about this, gasp through Amazon. We wrote a book, Howie Hinden and I. So that kind of takes you through early childhood, through infants, through birth, through older age. And that kind of tells you where to go for health. I also wrote a children's book with Nancy Rothstein, My Daddy Snores Through Scholastic. Oh, I got to check that out. So it's called My Daddy Snores. We've sold over 400,000 copies. Wow. And I did the afterward. Nice. And Nancy, who's the sleep ambassador, wrote the book. It was from personal experience. And it's a great book for kids to read with their parents. And they're references and their places to go for help in both those books. Great. So we'll throw those in the show notes. What's the website? Well, if you look at drmichaelgelb.com and you look at gelbcenter.com. So my blogs are on drmichaelgelb.com. Great. Yeah. Social media? There, yeah, my daughter, my kids are, are helping me, Instagram and some other stuff. So we're getting we're getting into that. Good, because it's such a por- important yeah. message to share. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being Thank on. Thank you. We have this common love with this airway and it's been such a great conversation. Great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know if you picked it up in this episode, but we literally breathe more as a function than anything else we do in our day. We breathe 20 to 25,000 times a day, a day. So if the airway is blocked, if we have poor posture affecting the airway through our throat, has massive consequences, not only on our digestive tract, our mental health, our anxiety. Um, so super important to make sure that the airway is nice and open, get it checked, always get assessed. And if you love what you hear on Muscle Medicine Podcast, go to iTunes, rate and review. It spreads the word. Thank you so much. See you next week.